we went through a little bit of the James chapter one the last time I taught, and I had you guys kind of filter in and, and show the things that you were kind of seeing in the passage. I just love the way this, this all kind of fits together. And the reason I'm, I use the motivational speaker kit is because what I kind of have been learning since I taught on James chapter one the last time is that really, I, I kind of think what James has put, put together himself is a form of a motivational speech, right? And it's, been, it's really interesting to me how, how he's done that. And so um, when, you, when we first read James, let's just read that real quick, all right? It's just interesting to me. When I read this, we're just gonna read down to verses, let's just say eight, okay? James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. We talked about that phrase last time. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then, how many of you remember that movie, Up?, with the little dog, squirrel. Doesn't it seem like that's what James is doing right here? But if any of you lacks wisdom, squirrel. He's like talking about something else. I do not, that's the part that has been interesting to me about this, right? Let him, so, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, to, uh, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, I kind of think when I look at this, the, the James is really developing something, and we gotta kind of go back and figure out where we're, where we're coming from. It's important to establish the setting when we're looking at this. And one of the things that I was thinking about this morning, aren't you glad that this Bible is not something that you can read one time and gather every bit of it from that? aren't you? Because how boring would that be? I mean, if it was see, spot, run, and okay, I saw a spot run, right? And uh, I'm going to run with spot would be my application. That's not going to be anything. And sometimes when, when Cliff and I are teaching the Bible study tools that we teach, I think sometimes people don't, you know, I've done this in my life many times. I think I've seen that passage before, so I think I got it, right? And I can tell you, that's why I'm back here in James again, because I, I just saw something that I had not seen before. And it was exciting to me to see this. And so I wanted to go back and study it. It's why, you know, we say it all the time. It's why we've been in John for how long now? Seven years. Yes, it is seven years. Exactly. Seven years. It, it's just, I, if I could say one thing to encourage you in your own Bible study is, give it some time, please. Get in there and start reading these and, and using tool, any tool that you wanna use because this thing will just explode in front of you. I've gotta give you an example and it has nothing to do with this lesson. I don't care, I wanna share it. Cliff and I were teaching our Bible study class the other day um, and we were, uh, this was oh, a few Wednesday nights ago and we started talking about just the concept of parts of speech. And so Cliff got up there and just impromptu went over to the board and started writing down the pronouns that are in the first seven verses of Romans chapter one. I'd never paid attention to that. And Romans chapter one, the first seven verses of Romans chapter one are one of those verses where I, or passages that I read and I'm like, yeah, I'll get back to that later, okay? Because <laughs> it's one of those things that's wordy and you keep reading it and you're like, okay, okay, a lot of words, a lot of phrases, all that kind of stuff, right? But then he just listed 
the personal pronouns, and I know that's back to English class, but that's really easy to figure out, okay? And the relative pronouns. And as he started doing that, it's like that, that passage just in front of my eyes. Because I was sitting next to him with, on my phone, and I started looking at all these things and how they related. And this passage just went, just flashed in front of me like I'd never seen it before. You could take those seven verses and spend eight weeks teaching on them or studying the concepts just related to the pronouns. And that's what I mean. Like, aren't you glad that this is not a book that I read one time and I get it? And to me, the Bible is a lot like your golf swing, okay? You know, how many play golf in here at all? Okay, we got some. Guys, if you don't play golf, how well are you gonna play the next time? You're not gonna play, right? I go, I give, I'll share this story with this. I, my founder of my company took me out for his uh, 48th birthday. He took about seven of us, right? And so we went out to Atlanta and we, uh, we, were gonna, we were gonna play golf. But the first day we got there, he decided that we needed to go right. Now, mind you, I'm 52 years old, right? And I sit in a chair all day long. I used to play soccer, but not anymore, okay? So he goes out, we're gonna go dirt bike riding, all eight of us, right? So we go dirt bike riding for eight hours in Atlanta in, uh, area for, uh, in 100 degree heat. You know, if you've been in Atlanta, in hot Atlanta is what they call it, right? So um, the next day, he decided, before we go play golf, that we're gonna go and we are going to wa go water skiing, um, uh, wave surfing, and wakeboarding for eight hours, okay? So then the next day, that was for 10 hours, I think. We were out in that lake all day long. So the next day, he decides we're gonna go play golf, right? 36 holes of golf, right? Um, in 95 degree heat, right? And when I woke up that morning at his house, we stayed upstairs. I had to walk down the stairs backwards. This is not a, this is a true, I, I was so sore from dirt bike riding and, and, and water skiing for so much. I, I, bare, I had to walk down the stairs and we played 36 holes of golf that day. And I had, I, from, now guys, hear this. This is the number five golf course in Georgia, which is, you know, only four behind Augusta, right, where they play the Masters. So we're playing this, and we're playing it from the championship tees because, oh yeah, we got to show off a little bit, right? I lost every golf ball I had. I didn't have any more, okay? I kept going in the back going, surely there's something in there, right? I, I think I shot 140 on each round, Okay because I had not been practicing at all. It was, a matter of fact, I grounded my golf clubs. I looked at them when we got home and I said, if you can't play any better than that, you're going in the attic. And they are sitting there to this day, all right? So if I don't practice golf, I will, I will play terribly bad, okay? And, and, and that's the way I think this is with our Bible, is that we just cannot read this this one little time and hope to have, we can gain something, don't get me wrong. And we can gain something we can remember our entire life but there's just so much more there. And the fact that it's so very simple to find encourages me and excites me, and that's what I kind of want to share today. So I'm going to put my glasses on and off about 50 times because I always do that when I'm teaching. So just say, you have to dig into this, and we'll go from there. So let's start off by looking at James chapter 1, verse 1 right here. Um, and what I want to do is like what we did last time. I really enjoyed that, and I, I want to hear from you, all right? So James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Now look at that. Can you all see that on the board at all? Can you read that? Awesome, because I can't. <laughs> so uh, read it one more time. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. 
Now, anybody, you cannot do this wrong. Is there any word, what do you think is important to understand it? Because this is the kind of stuff that we look over, isn't it? This is the kind of stuff that, eh, that's just him saying hello, right? I don't need to read that. What do you see in there that might capture your attention? Any word at all? Bond servant. That's a great word to look up, isn't it? Bond servant. What is a bond servant? Okay, we're gonna put that on the board. Okay, any other ones? What else? What's in there? Scattered. What does that have to do with? That's a great catch. Somebody else said something. Scattered. I don't know how I spelled that right. Somebody said something here? Dispersed. The dispersion. Scattered. Dispersion. Okay. These are things we need to know. To the, who's, so who wrote it? James. Right? Who is James? The half-brother of Jesus, right? Okay, good. So, and who's he a servant of? And the Lord Jesus Christ, which I always think is kind of interesting because did James believe in Jesus when he was, uh, uh, when Jesus was on this earth? No, all right. I kind of, this is just a Chris thought. I kind of think that's a little form of an apology. Oops, I missed that one, right? So uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so just making sure everybody understands that, right? Make sure we got that clear, all right? To the 12 tribes who are dispersed. Let me share with you what I learned this week. Who's that written to? The 12 tribes, right? That's interesting to me. So I looked at that, and I'll show you where I got it. This is the cool part about these, these tools. I'm gonna go over here to James chapter one. In, in, uh, this is the blueletterbible.org is this website. If anybody's not using these tools, they are super cool and super fabulous, all right? Um, and yeah, and, uh, the, uh, and BibleHub.com is on here as well. I use, I'm gonna use both of them today. They, they serve me well. So here's what I'm doing. You wanna know where I found some of the material I've got? I, I love sharing this, okay? I hope you like seeing it because <laughs> it's gonna be boring if you don't. Um, here we go. This, what you saw there, can you see on the board? I hit, there's a little menu that slides on when I hit tools and the interlinears where all those, those uh, uh, little Greek, um, grammatical issues are. But if you understand about history, history is harder to find, right? So you go to the dictionary. And Cliff always recommends that we use this International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. So you can see where I found that right here. We call it the ISB. ISB. And I slide down here and where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? The epistle. James. Went the wrong place. Here it is. James epistle. All of the information why is it not going? There it goes. All this information that I'm presenting today that I learned is right here. All this characteristic, this is all about the letter of James. So if you want the history of this, you can look at it. And what I learned is, right here, is that this, oh, let me go back. This letter is written, this is Jewish writing. Now remember, Chris is not a scholar, okay? Chris is a student. And so I have to be careful about that. But I got, I got this information right off of the Blue Letter Bible and it even talks about this. So this letter is not, is not written to just, I thought this letter for the longest time was written to Jewish Christians who believe in Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? Who's it say it's written to? 
The 12 tribes never thought about that. As a matter of fact, it goes on in that, that history that I was just showing you of the epistle, epistle uh, for James. It says that this is the most significant Jewish writing of the day. As a matter of fact, except for a couple of phrases that are in the middle of it, if you took those phrases that you know, really talk about Jesus out, it could actually fit easily in the canon of the, New, of the Old Testament. That's how much Jewish writing is in here. And that was interesting to me, how I found that, all right? So what we know about this letter is that this is James. What is his job right now? He's the head of what? Head of the church in Jerusalem, right? And so um, he's writing a letter uh, to, the, to the Jewish people who have been dispersed. And basically the dispersion is talking about anybody who's not living in, in Jerusalem at this time. Let's just leave it at a broad stroke. I mean, you can go all the way back to uh, BC 740 when, when they were hauled off the first time. And, all, and there's so much history there that you could go into. You could spend a lesson talking about the dispersion. Cliff can do with that. Well, ask Cliff. That's a better answer right there. So anyway, if you need to know more about that. But that's what it is, okay? And remember, we set this up last time. Where is... Um, how much information do we think that people of that day are getting? How much instruction are Jewish people who live outside of Jerusalem, how much instruction do you think they have access to? Very little, right? This is an important letter. And that's why when I say I think this is a motivational speech, when I look back at it, this is what I'm talking about. And then he starts into this first phrase, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And I talked on this last time because to me, this is one of those phrases that I'm like, okay, I know it's in the Bible, but I just don't understand or I didn't understand it. Because when I look at that, if you look at those, those words just quickly, we won't spend much time here because we're gonna run out of time. But if, um, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. What words are in that passage that you think would be interesting to, to understand the passage? Okay, yeah, what is joy? Somebody else. Trials, okay. What does that mean? Is that everything bad that happens to me? What does that mean, right? Yeah, I'm supposed to be happy when bad things happen. Does that make sense to anybody else? At first glance, can we just be honest here? Be happy when bad things happen. There is true. There is different between joy and happiness. Great, great point, okay. Yes, Yes. And we, we look just briefly at this. And to me, that's the word right there. That's the one you got to understand. It's con yes. That's good. Uh, see, I love this. When, not if, okay? Has anybody got one of those if trouble come lives? Okay, please stand. We'd like to applaud you real quick, all right? We're talking about the when trials occur. And is it singular or plural? Plural, so there are multiples of those. So just that right there, this is, is interesting. Now, this word consider is interesting to me. Let me show you how you pull it up. I'm gonna pull this definition of this word up on the biblehub.com because it's faster. So we come in here and we pull this up. We slide it down and here's your definition. To lead, I lead. You can see it's a verb. And you slide down here, this is what I like. This, this is so interesting to me, I, I, even though I've taught on this a little bit. Look, look at this, to go before to be a leader, to rule, command, the word governor is used in there. So how does that fit? The how does that fit the word consider? It's interesting, you gotta think about it, don't you? How does the word consider and the word chief and leader and governor come together? 
It's a choice. That's where that's exactly what it is. It's a choice. So basically, James isn't just making some idle comment, okay? So where did he get this information from? So this is talking about letting your leading thought, what leads you before, be joy. Because what happens, we've talked about this before, but what happens if I don't let joy be my lead? What will lead me? Emotions are going to lead us, right? Emotions like anger and frustration and things like that are going to lead us instead. So the question becomes, where did James get this idea? Did he just pull this off the wall and say, hey, be happy when bad stuff happens, right? That's not what he's saying, by the way. You're right. But where did he get this? Well, here's what I learned in that history that was in um, that we looked at in, in, in this history right here in uh, blueletterbible.com. And what they say in here, Isby, and it, Cliff said we could use it, so we're going to quote it as a good source, okay? <laughs> Listen to what happens when Jesus is speaking in the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, okay? This is the correlation that is made. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, I just just love that verse when I read that. Can you imagine being there? Jesus is seated, and he opens his mouth to teach. What must have that been like, first of all? I don't know. That's just one of those verses when I think about that, about God in human form opened his mouth, and the very first thing he says on the Sermon on the Mount is, and you know these really well, blessed, which means what? Let's just take a look at it. Blessed, happy, blessed, right? All those words go along with it. Let's go back. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Sorry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And look how it twists right here. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And finally, the correlation Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And what does he say next? Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For the same way they persecuted the prophets that were before you. So isn't it interesting? Where did did James get his idea to start his letter in the very beginning Okay, let me go back one here. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Did he not get it from his big brother? (laughs) It's kind of passed down. I just think that's so cool. And if you look at this, we're gonna see just a little bit more. So this first little motivational speech is about find joy and follow it. And where he got it was from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, is what they said. I thought that was very interesting. Consider it joy. Because... Let me ask this question. Go back to Matthew 5. Let's make sure we understand is rejoice and be glad. What's he talking about? Rejoice and be glad during what? Then the trials. Same thing that James is saying right here. 
Have you ever experienced somebody that really has got the ability to do that? To be in the midst of a trial. And the, and the word that, see the word that I also like in there is encounter. When you look at the definition of that, it has the word peri in front of it. In the medical business, that means around, and it does here too, around. So this is my, like when you're totally encompassed in a problem. And I, I just think that's interesting that, I just lost my train of thought. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, have you ever seen anybody that when they're surrounded by trials, doesn't matter, they just keep plugging along? How does that make you feel? I wanna be like those people. <laughs> I do. And there's times I am, don't get me wrong. I'm not ever here to say, hey, you're doing something wrong or I'm doing something wrong. I'm here to build us up. Because when we're around people like that, we, you know, you're either one of two ways. You just wanna be like them or you wanna kick them, right? You just, why are you so heavy all the time, right? Because we just, there's something about people that it can stand in the face of these incredible struggles that admire. My, uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, my wife has a friend named Gina, and her dad's name is Carol. And Carol's one of these guys. Every time you see Carol, man, he is just like the happiest guy. And, and, and he doesn't feign happiness. That's the difference, isn't it? We all seen people who, you know, it's like when we all come to church, you've been fighting with your kids all day long. And how are you doing? I'm fine. You know, all happy, right? No, that's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about going through severe issues in our life and, and just able to be with be happy and be moving in a, positive, in a positive direction. Whatever word you want to use to describe that, okay? I'm not saying enjoy the situation, I'm sorry, but this guy does. And it's so much that one day, Trina and, and my stepson, Travis, he, he was five years old at the time. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can find this quote she said here. We were talking about this and I thought, man, that's perfect. I'm gonna use that in the lesson. He says, mom, does Carol give you that warm, fuzzy feeling with butterflies? Right? You ever been a better person, a person that's got those warm fuzzies with butterflies, no matter, no matter what kind of day they've had, they're just like, I am so glad to see you. I've got a friend like that, you know? Uh, Trina has another friend that every time she answers the phone, you know, most people go, hello, how you doing? You know, hello, hello, why are you calling me, right? When she answers the phone, she goes like this, and her voice, I'm gonna mess up the intonation here, but it's like, what are you doing? That, not hello first, what are you doing, right? Now, I can tell you that both of those people suffer from great trials in their life, just like the rest of us, right? But there's something about the attitude that they've been able to capture in their life, the folks I wanna capture in my life. I, I, I don't wanna be torn down by these challenges, okay? And that, that's, a, that's an interesting, and listen, we can, we can do this because Jesus said it Rejoice and be glad. And James repeats it. We can take this right on its face value, can't we? Right on, but we don't have to. Because James takes it a step further, doesn't he? He says, consider it all joy, my brother, when you've encountered trials of many kinds. And what does, he, what does he say next? It's up on the screen. What's the next verb? Knowing. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance in, some, in, in the NASB, the one that Cliff will allow in this class. Um, <laughs> NASB, the, uh, it says endurance. I just think that's very interesting. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let that sink in on you. The testing of your faith produces endurance. 
My daughter Megan is, is gonna run a, run a marathon, a half marathon. She's never done anything like that. Love this child to death. She runs like an ostrich, okay? So uh, she's a hoot to be around. And actually, she's getting really good at running. She's actually getting a smooth running skill, but she's so funny to watch, right? And so uh, she, she's training for endurance on this. She just hit five miles. She's gonna do the half marathon coming. So she hit five miles. That's for, I mean, she's never done anything like that, right? Uh, I asked her when, when, the other day, I said, you know, when you finish this half marathon, are you gonna get one of those 13.1 stickers? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, I'm putting that on the back of mine. See, to me, you know what that 13.1 and the 26.2, you see in all this? That's the times you almost died running the marathon is what I think that is, don't you? <laughs> so it's not how far you ran, it's how many times you all that's just scary. I'm not running a marathon, right? To me, and I've got to kind of read this because I, I, I thought about this and I hope this means something to you when you consider endurance. To me, the joy that James is talking about in this passage is made possible by the knowing. The joy that James is talking about when I read this is made possible by the knowing. Even if you know the possibility, the outcome, let me rephrase that. If you know the possibility of the ultimate outcome in your life, can you endure it? If you know that there's something out there. And to me, that's the concept of endurance. And, but where does the knowing come from? Mm -hmm. It's what Megan's doing in the race. Knowing comes from endurance, right? Doing it over and over. So, See if this makes sense. The more I do it, the more I know I can endure it. If knowing comes from endurance, then the more, uh, see if this makes sense. We need to have joy, find joy, let's put it that way, in the midst of today's trials in order to have the enduring joy to face the trials of tomorrow. Is that possible? I'm gonna take it a step further. Maybe we need to have joy in the little trials that we're facing right now to build the endurance we're gonna need for those really big ones. The ones that have a tendency to get in our hearts and our minds those really big challenges of life that just drag us down. How do people get through that? Because they can do it. Chris, yes. Uh, this version, NLT says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's good. She said that in the NLT it says, uh, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's how it leads you, right? I think that's fascinating. You know, I, I was gonna give you an example, and I'm, I'm gonna run out of time if I if I'm, don't keep going here, but the stoning of, of Stephen in Acts chapter seven. You know, he does this big old preaching, and he preaches at him, doesn't he? Remember that? Cliff went over this, I remember, where he's, he's like, hey, listen, Jesus came, you killed him, blah, blah, blah. And did he know that they were gonna get mad about that? Yeah. Did he know that they were gonna, and then, and then as they're, you know, they start gnashing their teeth at him, right? Have you ever thought about that, gnashing their teeth, right? I know this look. I've had it a few times in my life. Doug has too, right? All you husbands have had the gnashing of teeth. We know that one, but this one's serious, all right? This is, they're really angry. And so he says, and I see the, the Lord God and Jesus standing at his right hand. And these are Jewish people that he's saying this to and they pick up stones and they go to, uh, they go to stoning him right there. And his last breast, do you remember what he says? God, don't hold this against him. And he says it loudly, I whispered it. But he yells out that. Did, had James put in the time of endurance 
to be able to stand up to the trial that was on him that day. The trial of stones hitting his body till he was dead. Is it possible? Because I'm gonna tell you, this verse now used to be a phrase, this considered joy when I'd read that, you know, in the years past, was like, yeah, I'll get to that later. It kind of sounds good. I'm sure there's some truth to it. I'm not doubting it. But it's become a really important phrase in my life. Because if I can get to that point, folks, I can, I can, I can work through anything. Anything. That's the kind of, that's the kind of life I want to live. Yes. Yes. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Proof positive testimony right there. And get a hot tub, right? That's exactly what we're talking about. That, I mean, have, we've all heard people like that that have been through this kind of life-changing challenge. And when we hear them talk about it, they're like, I made it through it. Right? That's the way I want to live. So the next step of this is that we're to endure the journey. Look at this next phrase, right? So, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Okay. That's pretty cool. Let endurance, and I'm gonna go quickly here. When you look at these words, perfect and result, it's basic, perfect, right? Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's interesting, isn't it? Me, perfect? You gotta understand the word, don't you? So the, the concept of let endurance have its perfect result, the, another way to say that would be let endurance finish its business with you. Let it do what it's designed to do. Endure these things and let them do the work that God intends them to do um, in this. And so that you may be perfect. Let's look at that just real quickly because you need to see it. And complete. Perfect is this word right here. Full grown. Complete in all its parts. That means something a little different when I see that definition, doesn't it? Doesn't mean like I'm better than you. Perfect, right? Means I, I, I have completed all its parts. You can go down there and look at all this information. We can come back. And then uh, perfect and complete. Let's just look at that definition real quick. Complete in every part, right? This is the position I have when, that endurance affords me the ability. When it finishes its work, I have the ability to have the joy. The, these words just seem to me like they interrelate so very well. Endurance, it's what makes us perfect. Isn't that interesting? Endurance is what makes us perfect. And where did, where did James get this? Let's go back to Jesus. Go back to same part in Matthew 5, 48. Okay, got this right out of the uh, ISB. Correlation here. 
And it's actually, we read, it's so funny I'm teaching on this because I read this literally from the pulpit in the service earlier when I was hosting in the chapel service. You said, you heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing to those? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? What does it say next? Therefore you are to be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And just in case you're wondering, it's the exact same Greek word. Talios, I think. Complete in all the parts. So Jesus in this is talking about the challenge and the struggles of dealing with your enemies, Right? And it's called to be perfect. James does the same thing when we come here and go back. And he says, let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'm gonna go real quickly over this next part because I just love it. This is where I think James just kind of goes, All right. no, I, I read this enough, okay? And I'm gonna give you a crisp comment. So file it for whatever that means, okay? Probably nothing, all right? But that's all right. This is what I kind of think. But if any of you lacks wisdom, there's a conjunction there, right? But, so it has to go back and, and, and be related to something, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's just some random comment that he's making. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete. To me, the uh, perfect result is wisdom. That's my personal opinion on that, where I stand today. The perfect result is wisdom. Because then when he says this, when, when, when says it, no, Cliff tells me he, when he writes it, but if any of you lacks wisdom, and man, there's some bold, bold statements here. Let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach. So if you lack wisdom, what do you do? Ask of God. And what does God do? So we ask God and he gives. To who? So are you excluded from that? No. Gives to all. Because this can be one of those kind of phrases where, we, where we're kind of, it's interesting. And he gives to all. How does he give? Generously and what? Right. It's like he's not gritting his teeth. Like, I don't want to give this to you, but I'm giving it to you anyway. That's not what he does. He gives to you generously and without reproach. So if you ask, what does it say? And it will be given. Let's see if you can think of a time that Jesus said something very similar to that. What did he say? That's right. Ask and what? It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And James writes, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. There's a big old caveat right after that, isn't there? Right? You ever thought about how crazy he is? On, I mean, he like lands on people who are going to doubt pretty hard right here. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man not, not to expect he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Does James like people that do that? No. Don't expect anything, is what he's saying. And he's very adamant about how he approaches this. So here's the question. Am I asking God for wisdom of the day? 
Do I take time to do that? Or do I just, a lot of times on my day, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, day, go. Right? Anybody got like that? Day, go. There you go. But I need to ask for that wisdom that can help produce that endurance that helps me know that I can go through life with joy. Yes, Doug. Yes. So, so, well, say that again. Yes. No. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. I was like, wait a minute. Yes. I, I, I'll say it this way. I think they're all related, right? I think this phrase that seems like it's totally unrelated, right, to me when I first read it. But if anyone lacks wisdom, I'm like, well, what were we talking about something else a minute ago, right? I think the endurance and I think the joy and I think the knowing and the asking of God for wisdom is all related to this thing because you see it keeps flowing through here. It's a motivational speech by James to help us get where we wanna go. Let me close it out by saying this today. It's an interesting perspective, I think, right? These comments were handed down from brother, ironically, it's kind of interesting, just a perspective, from brother to brother. Jesus possessed and illustrated um, these throughout his life, and then like an old pair of jeans to his little brother, he passes them down to James. I, I think that's very interesting. James used them, and then he passed them down to the people that he writes this letter to, right? And so now it's up to us to do the same thing, isn't it? Our choice, these words have now been handed to us. And we can use them or we cannot. So here's the application. What if today, what if each morning I decided to build my endurance for joy? What if I did in each and every morning before my feet had touched the ground, what if I stopped and I asked God specifically, without doubting, just said, God, will you give me the wisdom that I need to find the joy in the midst of the challenges that I know I'm going to face, whether they're today or down the road? Would that not be a good application? What, what could we do? What would happen if I didn't doubt? Would this help me become more the person that we each and every one of us wants to do? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful word that you've given us. This amazing piece of literature, Father, that we can dig into and find material and then come back another day and see something else. And I thank you so much that you made it that way. May we use it the way you intended. May we use it to allow you to specifically and personally minister to each of us and where we are in our lives for that day. Thank you for this gift. In Christ's name we pray, amen.